As we were singing that uh, last song, there is a fountain filled with blood. Just as Jamie was reminded, Pastor Jamie reminded that Norm Young went home to be with Jesus this week. This year, the man who brought me to the USA went home to be with Jesus. Tom Frierson is his name. And I asked him how it was he got serious about the Lord. And it went back to his grandfather when he, Tom Frierson, was a little boy, rocking Tom in the rocker, sitting in his grandpa's lap, being rocked, and his grandfather singing to him, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath its flood lose all their guilty stains. That was the beginning for him. He never, ever forgot his grandfather rocking him and singing those words, even though he was just a little lad. So let's bow our heads and for a moment give thanks to God for all those who, by whatever means, have influenced us so that here we are in church as a family worshipping the Lord together. Who is the person? How did you even get to be here, present, to worship here? How did you get here? And this morning, together, as we come to your word, Lord, becomes another moment in time by which you influence us. And with that influence, Lord, reach out way beyond the boundaries of our immediate influence and touch the lives of others. And as part of that, Lord, I do pray again that you would take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills, as stubborn as they are, and mold them to your own, to your own good pleasure, and take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, we are talking about a better way of giving. And we're going to be talking this morning about joyfully giving, a much better way than miserably giving, begrudgingly giving, reticently giving. You could go down a whole thesaurus of words that describe negative attitudes toward generosity. And there's nothing worse, I suppose, in many respects than feeling obliged to give, but not really wanting to, 
and somehow being squeezed. But that's not the spirit in which we come to what God has to say this morning. So right there in your text, as Pastor Jamie was reading it, you had these words. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Back in chapter 8, you had these words, verse 2 of chapter 8, same epistle, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. In other words, in both these instances, an expression of joyful giving. The word in that first reading for joyful in the Greek is hilaron. Can you hear another English word in that? Hilaron. Hilarious is where we get that thought. Hilaron, hilarious in the English language. That kind of joy. Hilarious giving. Kind of ecstatic gratitude expressed in joyful, hilarious giving. I know many of you remember, and maybe even saw, the movie Blindside, with Sandra Bullock playing the lead role, and the lady that she was acting the part of, Leanne Tui. I actually got to meet, hearing her speak down in Florida, back when I had that rather cushy job of being the chaplain at this resort. And they had this, this lady come in and speak, Leanne Tui. My wife, speaking to one of the ladies, said, Man, Sandra Bullock seemed sort of over the top in the way she expressed that lady who turned the car around, went and picked up Michael Orr, black high school kid, who ends up playing for Baltimore Orioles, excuse me, the other team, and uh, getting a Super Bowl ring. She picked him up, sort of like an over-the-top gesture. The lady said to my wife, the real Sandra Tui is more over-the-top than Sandra Bullock. And when we heard her speak, it was the case. She was amazing. And listen to this. Because that's all she did, was turn her car around and pick up Michael Orr. And that led to everything else. 
She saw him walking along the street, sort of dragging his feet outside the high school, turned the car around, went and picked him up, ended up taking him in as a son and helping raise him. And then he becomes this superstar. Well, there's a little boy in the house who kind of admired Michael Orr, loved his mum. His name was Spencer, her flesh and blood son. Well, she tells the story when she's speaking to us of giving Spencer 20 bucks to carry in his pocket to give away whenever it seems appropriate. Spencer gets his driving license, pulls into the gas station somewhere along the way to fill up the car, doesn't know how to fill up the car, i.e., that is, it didn't turn on for him. So he calls up his mum and says, how do I get gas in my car? She said, you go inside, tell them the number of the pump you're at, they'll turn it on for you. So Spencer goes into the, the gas station and there's a line of people waiting to get the gas turned on for them and the chap in front of Spencer, when he got to the counter, put down five bucks, five dollars and said, give me five. Guy walked out and it's clear that that's all he had. So Spencer takes out his $20 bill and says, add it to his five. So the guy outside, the pump didn't turn off at five, it went on, he got $25 worth of gas. He came back in and said, I've only got $5. How, how did I get 25 Got the story kid following him, put down the 20. The guy ran out. Spencer was still pumping gas in his car and with tears said to Spencer, thank you. I had just enough money to to buy gas to get home. I didn't have enough to get back to work tomorrow. Joyfully giving And getting that response. Oh, that God would work in our lives to change our whole mindset and make us joyfully generous every possible opportunity. That's what's expressed when it says that God loves a cheerful giver, an hilarious giver, because God himself is a giver. God so loved that he gave. God's the ultimate giver. Well, let me go down through this text and talk about the various kinds of joyful giving that are spoken of. Verse 7 says this, Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's a prior decision in the heart about what you're going to do with your giving. And what I would write over that is, pray about it. You've got a decision to make. 
It's not a matter of tossing a few bucks in a plate. It's a matter of what are you going to do with your resources, your wealth, and the influence that that exercises when you spread the wealth. Rather laughingly, one chap said to me yesterday that his wife and daughter were at Ikea helping stimulate the American economy and rescue it. Kind of a fun thought. Spending his hard-earned money is what he said. Well, that's to look at it on the funny side. But when you are going to make a decision about where you spend and how you spend and what you do with the wealth that God's put in your hands, the place to go is to the Lord himself and speak to him about it. Everything you had, he gave you. Everything you have, he gave you. Talk to him about it. If you've got a decision to make, talk to him. Let him help you work that out from his point of view. What's quite extraordinary is when you go on to verse 8, the following verse, it says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You pray about it. Talk to the Lord about it. Seek his grace. Seek his mindset. Let him mold, shape your opinion as to what you're going to do. You make that decision in your own heart. And have the joy of those spiritual moments with the Lord as he changes you from being miserly, overcautious, too protective, going through some other words and ideas that describe our giving, too closed-fisted, too self-conscious and aware of all that we need for ourselves, measuring everything very carefully, very cautiously, instead of generously, spectacularly, hilariously going for it. You seek his face and pray to him. Secondly, this is a joyful exercise in faith, to trust God. Verses 10 and 11. Listen to these words. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God is the source of everything. Do you believe he can provide for you? Are you willing to trust him? 
That is, to be obedient on the one hand with what he has given you, those resources that are yours to distribute, manage. And as you are generous in your giving, experience God's overwhelming provision. That's what's being said here. God is the one who gives it all in the first place. But when we use it aright, when we are following in his footsteps, in the spirit and generosity of what we do with what God has given us, he multiplies back to us. Do you believe that? That he's got, he is more than able to provide for you so that you can be increasingly generous. Let me tell you this. When I married, pushing 50 years ago, to the woman who's still my wife, thank you, Jesus, we didn't have a bed to come back to from our honeymoon. But we always tithed. I'm amazed at couples who spend like two, three, four, five years going through some kind of phony engagement while they save money, buy an apartment, furnish it, and like have it all put together for when they are married. Meanwhile, in the, they're living as if married anyway. What's the deal with that? It's like taking care of number one, having your cake as well as eating it like the whole nine yards and never really getting down. That's another whole sermon for another time. But I tell you this, I married my wife within six months of meeting her. And wonder of wonders, she married me within six months of meeting me. I mean, we were walking down the aisle six months after we met. And we went on a very modest honeymoon. But we had one, but didn't have a bed to come back to. Somebody gave us a mattress, which we could put down on the floor. We've still got furniture in our house that was given to us so that we could have some furniture in our apartment. But I'll tell you this. God has always provided magnificently for us. I can't believe our lives. At a previous church, which was a very wealthy church I was pastor of, I told the parish council, the board, that my wife and I were in the top ten givers in the church. And I was telling them the truth. How could that be? I'm just their pastor. They're the chairman of this and the vice president of that and the executive something of something else. They said, that only goes to prove we're paying you too much, was their response, (laughs) which was a great wisecrack. We've always tithed and you can't believe how we've lived. 
we almost feel guilty except that we receive it as a gift from God. It's unreal. Here's the point. You can never outgive God, and he is no man's debtor. You do it his way. He takes care of business. That's what's being said here. Next statement is this. What a way to invest. First priority, a major investment. Really, it's the joy, therefore, of being productive or fruitful for the Lord. This passage starts out with whoever sows sparingly, speaking of the farmer in a rural agricultural culture, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Common sense said you throw a few seeds out, you get very little back. But when you sow generously, you reap generously. Our first priority needs to be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is the priority of your wealth, your money, your earnings? When you pray the Lord's Prayer, what do you pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next line. Thy kingdom come. It's right up front. It's all about him, not about us in the first place. Do we say we love the Lord? Are we grateful that he sent his son Jesus and rescued us? Are we thrilled to have the free gift of heaven when we put our trust in him? Having trusted him for that, can we not trust him for everything else? If he's taken care of your crummy, miserable, sinful, stinking past, can he not take care of your miserable, stinking, money-grubbing future? He can. But the thrill of seeing God at work through your investment. It's a thrill to see what God is doing. It's a thrill to me to see what God has done here at Christ Church from the few who gathered and prayed and sang and pledged to start it all going. That harvest is spectacular. And the last thought is this, that it all rebounds to God's glory. Verses 11, 12, 13, and so on. Listen to these words. Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's verse 11. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Verse 12. Very next verse, 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the closing thought. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Real praise, real joy, expanded exponential ecstasy and gratitude because of our giving. 
multiplied thanksgiving to God. You love God. You love to see him praised. You love to see him honored. When we use our resources for him, the byproduct down the road of that harvest is gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving to Almighty God. Pray with me, will you? Lord, you know what's going on in our lives. You know how we overspend in the wrong places and run up debts that end up crippling our desire to be generous. Help us to sort out our lifestyles, Lord. Help us to pray, pray, pray about what you have given to us and how we use those resources. All things come of you, O Lord. Whenever we give back, it's only giving back to you what you've first given to us. So change our hearts. Please, Lord, change our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.